What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John. And I'm Joe. And welcome to a brand new episode of Spread the Dread Podcast. This week, we're getting closer and closer. Who would have thought we'd have went this long? We are on episode 60, Dreadheads. I know. And we got a banger for you. We're going to talk about Dennis Nielsen, the kindly killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see here. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, you guys uh, showed out big time for episode 59 about the Gang of Amazons. If you guys have missed that one, make sure you check that out. And, of course, the previous Fright Flick Fuck, Mary Kill, we covered the Outwaters. Numbers are looking great on that one, too. Thank you all so much. And on the 13th of March, so a couple days ago, we released a brand new Talking Dread. Mm-hmm. I got to interview someone I was very much Lucky looking forward to. Bastard. I know. I got to interview a uh, filmmaker and podcaster and YouTuber, Jonathan Doe, best known uh, for uh, creating the erotic, grotesque nonsense series. So if you're a fan of extreme cinema or horror movie collecting or murderability, this dude does it all. If it's fucked up, he, he's got a finger or two in that pie. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to check that episode out. You definitely want to check out Fry Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, and Talking Dread on our YouTube channel. And while you're over there, uh, like, comment, subscribe, and share those. Uh, the Fry Flick series and the Talking Dread series has videos, so make sure you're doing that. Uh, upcoming episodes uh, on the 17th, Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill, we're going to review Infinity Pool. And then on the 27th of March, I want to go ahead and announce this. Hopefully, hopefully it happens. Everything's lined up for it. I am going to finally get to talk to one <laughs> Bill Oberst Jr. Now, this is an award-winning actor. Uh, this one is uh, it's, it's a big... Uh, I found out about him because of my co-host, Jay, my real-life big mm-hmm. brother and co-host on Fright Flick. Uh, he, he just kept talking about Circus of the Dead yeah. and how much he loved Papa Corn. <laughs> so we finally reviewed it and I watched it and I fell in love with Bill Oberst Jr.'s Amazing acting ability. actor, yeah. And I've got to talk to him through email and he is like the nicest, nicest guy ever. I swear, like I can, ju- there's just like, I feel almost at peace when I read his emails. <laughs> like there's just so much positive energy and vibe from it. And he's dealing with his mother's sick. Um, so everybody, if you, if you're the praying kind, pray up, if you're the good vibe kind, send those out and everything like that. Um, but on the 27th, I'm going to finally get to interview him. And I, I did promise Jay that after, and I've set it up with, with Bill so that once we're done, Jay can join in and get get a chance to talk to his fucking hero. Uh, so be on the lookout for that one on the 29th. going to go ahead and put this, this out there as well. Uh, Joe and I got invited on to the talking owls podcast, uh, for an episode called documenting depravity. where we talk about the history of snuff. They just follow uh, us around in real life. No. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, who better to talk about? that shit that's why they came to us they're like they're fucked up they've probably seen some shit but it was a great interview talking about the history of snuff and internet videos as far as when it comes to like you know killings and stuff like that so that is the 29th uh before we go any further what is the most dreadful website on the entire internet, Joe? Spreadthedreadpodcast.com. That's right. And I got to get better about remembering that if you're watching this on YouTube or on any of the podcast platforms you listen to this on, all the links are in the show notes down uh-huh. below. So make sure you check out the notes and you, know, you go there. All of, our, all of our podcast platforms, YouTube, the shop, make sure you get some dreadful merch. And of course, our newly launched Patreon, patreon.com slash spreadthedreadpodcast.com. Uh, get on that. No matter what tier, you get access to the private, and I would say... But not prestigious Discord. No, no, that's a great one. Yeah, private but not prestigious 
Spread the Dread uh, Patreon only Discord server. No matter the tier you're on, uh, but if you're if you're at ten dollars or higher a month, you get a free sticker every month. And if you are the the top uh, in the, the top tier, the creme. senior. Thirty a month, you get a free T-shirt every month. And Joe, these are these are designs you've made. They're not available anywhere else, so this is the only way you're gonna get these stickers, at least for right now, and mm-hmm. these T-shirts. So remember to check out. Spread you better the get dread. them before I burn out, y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, that's Patreon.com/slash/SpreadTheDreadPodcast. Check that out if you've got some money and you want to throw it our way and help us to continue spreading the dread and raising all these goddamn kids we have. That's for, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. These these quarter Asian kids, they. <laughs> They are needy. <laughs> These equations. Equations. <laughs> Absolutely. The equations. Uh, and then one last thing. Do not forget, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Screenshot that and send it over to us on Facebook or IG or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com along with your mailing address. And we will send you out some free stickers. Uh, we are caught up. We had two more Canadian dread heads send out their uh, reviews. Mm-hmm. Their stickers are in the mail. So if you want some free merch, it doesn't cost you anything. That is the way to do that. Have I covered everything, Joe? Yes, you have. All right. You ready to kick this one off? Oh, yeah. Joe's sleepy. Everyone tell her to wake the fuck (laughs) up. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to take her beer away from her because (laughs) those are depressants, not stimulants. I'm going to find something that's going to jack her up a little bit. No, not my beer. (laughs) (laughs) And then we are going to cover Dennis Nielsen, the kindly killer. All right. So before we kick off. I would like to say that this episode, this is the first time we're trying this Dreadheads, and she kept asking, and we finally, you know, our desire to to, to love on our Dreadheads and to be lazy about this. Yeah. Finally, really the laziness. <laughs> right. Dread, OG Dreadhead, Chris Owen, was, was she wanted to help. She, she, she does research for fun. Yeah. And she just kept being like, oh, you guys, you guys got to let me. She's a Canadian dreadhead. And I'm going to tell you what, from all the, I am starting to really get concerned about Canada <laughs> because they just keep finding us. And I don't. I but again, like you said before, it's like the reason they're so nice is because they do all this weird fucked up shit behind closed doors. I'm going to tell you what. Yeah. Behind closed doors, Canadians are fucked. <laughs> and so Chris Owen was like, please. I wanna, well, we I, posted up the episodes and we we're like, okay, these are going to be the next few right, ones yeah, we think the, of. In, and she's in, like, ooh, me, Nielsen. I yeah, was like, in the All Discord, right. we like to let everyone know what's coming up a lot, you know, and stuff like that. And so she was like, I'm going to research this for y'all. I want to yeah. do the notes. She did. She did an amazing job. She did too good of a job. Yeah, like not our level of podcast. Yeah, like somebody who's no. like way better than no, who we no, are. She should be doing notes for like an A&E show or like you know, or something <laughs> like that. Not for this shitty little podcast. <laughs> So, Chris, we thank you so yeah, much. Thank it's you, girl. awesome Appreciate you did this. It. About half of your notes are going to make it in here yeah. because you did way too much research and it, we cannot let you outshine what we do. <laughs> so, we did that, but she did give us some audio clips and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. So, again, want to shout out Chris Owen for doing a fantastic job of researching this episode. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you to do the bio like only you know how to do. Absolutely. Dennis Andrew Nilsson was born November 23rd, 1945 in Fraserburg, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys this right now. I'm about two or three beers in. Uh, I'm going to be doing an accent for him. It's probably just going to be British and not Scottish. It's not. He's not. He doesn't sound Scottish. It's like. No, an English, you, it's, I'm honestly surprised when I listen to the clips. I thought it was just British. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Because you think you think like, you know, fucking like, you know, the, like that. I don't know how they roll their shit. You know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't Braveheart Scottish? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you think about stuff like that. But yeah, he just sounds like a fucking like. 
A bloke. Yeah, 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 yeah. just some fucking Belfast dude or some yeah, shit. Yeah, like a random you know? dude from you know from the fucking East End boys and West End girls. Yeah, there fucking you part go. Of London. Yeah, so he actually went by Des. Um, he actually really hated his first That's name. That's British as shit. I know. Call me Des, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, his mother was Elizabeth Dutchy White, and uh, his Pass the Dutchy from the left hand side. <laughs> That's a good is... way to live, redhead. Just remember that. Um, and his father was Olaf uh, Magnus. Magnus Moksheum? That's a really long last. This may Magnus be the most Mokishim. unpronounceable word in Spread the Dread history. M A yeah, Magnus Moksheim. Who adopted the surname Nielsen. I don't blame Smart him. Smart motherfucker. For real. Like, right? Dude, but Olaf Magnus 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 Moksheim. That's a fucking powerful name. That's a tongue twister. That is. Now That's his- a sexy name. I'm a little turned on by that because you know that dude grew facial hair like it was nobody's business and he probably owned an axe or two. Uh, Dennis's parents' marriage was an unhappy one and um, his dad was pretty much preoccupied with his duties in the free Norwegian forces. So ah, he was go. more into work, you know. Um, he actually came home for brief visits and Dennis's mother would often get pregnant and this is how she ended up getting pregnant with his sibling that's during gonna, these visits. That's gonna so he's just everything. like, I'm home, drop your trousers. Like, this is oh, you got a big old did. fucking Norwegian Viking. He came home for one or two things. He needs to eat, fucking sleep. <laughs> that's all Nords need. <laughs> um, his parents divorced in 1948, and that's when him and his two siblings and his mom ended up moving with uh, in with her parents, Andrew and Lily. Okay. Now, Dennis was super close with his grandfather. Um, Dennis described this. This stage of his childhood as one of uh, you know pure contentment. He was yeah, actually happy. happy. Yeah, right. um, his grandfather was his like it, what he was quoted as saying his great hero and protector. So he had a, he had a lot of respect and admiration for probably the first time he's ever had like a a true male role model. Well, in yeah, his especially life. if his dad was like you know if he was in like I, I'm, I'm assuming with the the yeah the Norwegian forces. I'm guessing that's like their military. So his dad may have been gone. He was gone a lot. Quite yeah. a bit. So yeah. So finally, he's got a male role model that's there consistently for him as well and it's not just come home to fucking grab a quick meal and, and fuck a, a baby into his mom and yeah. get fucking bounce again. Now, October 31st of 1951, uh, while his grandfather was out fishing because he was a fisherman, um, he was in the North Sea. His grandfather actually dies of a heart attack at the Ooh. age of 62 years old. Uh-oh. Um, his body was actually brought back to shore and returned to the family home prior to the burial. And one of Dennis's like most vivid childhood recollections is his mother asking him whether or not he wanted to see his grandfather uh, but he had no idea he was actually he had actually died he had no idea he was dead uh, and that's rough because we're looking i mean i'm looking at it here like he was he, he was born in november 23rd dennis was yeah this happened on october 31st so i mean he wasn't even quite six years old yeah that's devastating i mean it can be yeah yeah so he, because he didn't know he was dead yeah when his mom asked him about viewing him he was just like yes and he was taking into the room where the his gr- dead grandfather's body was laid in an open coffin and then his mother told him that you know his grandfather was sleeping and he had gone to a better place you know that like usual euphemistic bullshit that I mean, it is a pretty good it is a better place even if you think the coffin like my bed is not lined with velvet <laughs> you know or like some sort of crushed linen 
know what I'm saying? Like, technically, coffins are nicer than your bed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I could get that. Um, now, he claimed the kind of like the unexpected death and especially the trauma of viewing the body led to his, you know, future behavior. Oh, sure. But no reason to take let's allude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, now, following the death, uh, Nilsson became more quiet and further withdrawn, and he, he continued to spend more and more time at the harbor by himself where, you know, where... Obviously, it was probably the last place he saw his grandfather off alive. Well, yeah, and it probably reminded him if his grandfather, yeah. you know, apart when he wasn't there, his grandfather's clearly his other passion or love, or maybe even he was still technically working as a fisherman. Mm. The, yeah, so that would remind him. Now, Dennis seldomly participated in family activities, and he, you know, he stayed away. He started to be kind of come over, kind of reclusive, a loner. Mm. Retracting within himself, yeah. Absolutely. Um, And he kind of grew to resent what he saw as what he perceived was the unfair amount of attention that his mother and his grandmother kind of had for his his siblings. But again, he's, he's retracting. You know what I'm saying? So he's, he's retracting. And then, but honestly, I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment here. They probably should have paid more attention to him, seeing him retract, trying to do that and stuff like that. I Knowing don't know. how close he was to his grandfather, you should have known how traumatic of an event right. that and was. Right, we don't for know him. how. Maybe they did try a lot, and it just was not happening. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Very, that uh, so been that's the case. why I said I don't want to pass judgment, but it's one of those kind of things where it's like, well, I, you know, maybe he was re- being reclusive and wanting to feel more. Uh, affection from others and then it didn't happen or maybe he didn't see it and then he's like oh well they're talking to them well yeah those your siblings are also interacting with them though yeah exactly maybe they just maybe that was why he resented them is like oh you guys are just giving your attention to them because they're easier to love than me right and he he often hung out with his younger sister sylvia so he he again Oh, my God. I guess we'll get into gender roles here. Everybody Mm -hmm. loves them. But typically, a younger brother should be wanting. You know, I have two older brothers. And Mm -hmm. I remember being younger. I always wanted to hang out with them and their friends. You know, so it's kind of weird that he's gravitating towards his little sister more so than his older brother. But he was he didn't. His older brother was apparently, you know, very popular, had a lot of friends, everything going. And Dennis did not like that. So maybe that was the reason why, because he saw in his older brother what he never felt like he was or was going to be in himself. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, during one of his times hanging out alone uh, down at the harbor. Now, this was around 10, 11. He's a tween, <laughs> as it would be. Uh, Dennis actually ended up getting submerged beneath the water and it was almost pulled out to sea. I'm guessing undertow. Or yeah, undertow. Yeah, yeah the undertow whatever. pulling out, stuff like that. Uh, during this event, he he panicked, uh, you know, obviously flailing around and, and was shouting for help as he was, you know, gasping for, for, for breath, which is bad because you're underwater. So you're gasping. That's how the water gets into your lungs. Uh-huh. And that leads to the drowning. Uh, and it, it, during this time, he recalled believing his grandfather was uh, was going to be there to pull him out. That he was, yeah. you know, like I, I you know, like maybe, almost like he's shouting out to his grandfather, right? Yeah. Like, hey, granddad's normally here and everything like that. And uh, before before this would happen, he actually was ended up being saved by another uh, younger person in the area who dragged him on shore. His mother actually later went on to remarry a builder named Andrew Scott. They had four more children in four years. That makes me think it's her wanting the sex. I, dude, I don't know. Like maybe the reason why Daddy O was just like, I'm tired, I'm going back out, is because she was just, you know, a raw dog. I'm going I'm <laughs> to tell you this much, though. I do not want to play runner-up to a guy named Olaf. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? That's big shoes and maybe a big gap to fill. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Someone named Olaf, you'd imagine, is fucking hanging a fucking Todd hammer Laurent. of Thor down there. Just straight fucking, like, even fucking limp. Just a Mjolnir just swinging down in there. And then along comes There's British Andrew. and fro. Right. He's just fucking, he's just bringing a hard six inches into the fucking equation, trying his fucking best. But I mean, I guess he did it because, I mean, four kids yo, in four fucking years, man. Maybe so. Maybe he was good with his tongue. You got to have backup plans. Maybe he was heads. Irish. <laughs> no, there's nothing about him getting drunk and beating her, I so know. he wasn't Irish. <laughs> All them goddamn Irish twins uh, in there. Yep, yeah, uh, but of course, Dennis wasn't a fan of his stepfather, and he actually ended up resenting his stepfather uh, as an unfair disciplinarian. Uh, but, you know, eventually over time, begrudgingly, actually did grow to respect his new stepfather, Andrew. So fast forward a year or two and fucking puberty hits, Dennis. Like oh, a yeah. brick, a truck, like weird. a truck of bricks. God damn my dyslexia. Weird, weird <laughs> tingles, hair popping up places. Yeah. Things Voices that, cracking. Things that didn't used to stink now stink. Yeah. They stink bad. Yeah. Well, during this time, Dennis discovers that he was actually gay, which... Can... That's a good time to figure out you're gay. <laughs> Puberty's a perfect time to figure out you're gay. You don't want to find out too late or too early. Oh, yeah. That's a good, that's a good time. Yeah. You don't want to be that one weird kid, gay, you know, male, female, either or, neither nor, yeah. going around acting real weird in, like, fucking second grade. Yeah. You're going to get your fucking ass beat. Even in, <laughs> even in today's accepting society, you're like, get ready to go into some lockers. Puberty, that's a good time. But unfortunately, it really confused it confused him. Uh, he felt a lot of shame about it, and he ended up keeping it hidden from everybody. And many of the boys he was actually attracted to uh, tended to have facial features similar to his younger sister, Sylvia. Oh, boy, that's a warning now, sign. Now, it is. Oh. On one occasion, he had actually sexually fondled her. Ah, yeah, here he, we go. And that's definitely because his grandfather drowned hey. and had a heart attack. Uh, maybe totally. I mean, he was he did drown. Oxygen depletion. There is there is brain damage. There could have been a possibility of that at that point. Just saying. Just Take saying. him behind the shed. <laughs> lean him against the wall. That egg. Believe. Um. He actually believed that his attraction towards boys, um, with these facial features, might be a manifestation of how much he loved her. Um. It, you got a lot of crazy people try to self diagnose oh yeah yeah <laughs> like, no i got it i got it under control yeah this i know exactly problems. what's wrong yeah i get it <laughs> um he made no effort really to seek kind of sexual contact with others he was actually attracted to and later he even said he had been fondled by an older youth and enjoyed that experience now but keep in mind he was born in 45 dreadhead so we're talking about mid you know mid to late fit well late 50s at this point mm -hmm. so doesn't matter that he's in the UK. It was the same stigma around this, being uh, gay still at this dangerous point. times. Yeah. yeah. Um, like we said, uh, he made no effort uh, to, for sexual contact. But once, uh, other than his sister, there was another uh, incident where he ended up fondling his older brother as he slept. Uh. Now, as a result, his older brother's name was Olaf. Olaf suspected his brother was gay. and Olaf, son of Olaf. <laughs> Hanger of Big Dong. Like, <laughs> um, uh, he suspected more than likely he rolled over. I mean, some, a kid named Olaf Dick's probably so big he didn't really fondle him. He just accidentally fucking brushed it with his elbow trying to get by him. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. Uh, well, obviously from this experience, Olaf suspected his brother was gay and regularly belittled him in public. No bueno. Yeah, and Dennis initially believed that uh, fondling his sister actually might have been evidence that he was bisexual as well. 
So in 1959, uh, Dennis was right around the age of 14. And it he, was the summer of 59. <laughs> um, he joined the Army Cadet Force and thought of the British Army as a potential avenue for escaping his home life. So he's unhappy. And he's like, oh, the service will do it. Just like some people are like, hey, I'll get married and get out. He's saying I'm going in the service. Yeah, that's what we need. Just just people giving getting handed a lot of high-powered guns needing to get away from it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was an above average. Average student and actually had a knack for history and art, but totally shunned sports because that was the kind of shit his brother was into. Yeah. Now, in 1961, at 16 years old, Dennis actually finished school, and at that point, he then decided he wanted to actually join the army and train as a chef. That's that's not one. I mean, I, very I, interesting and like, well, especially I, at 16 to be like, I want to cook. Like, well, I, I think no, that's I mean, kind of admirable. Have, there's people who have that passion for that, and it's just yeah. it is. I mean, honestly, I, and again, we're 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 based in the U.S. I know we have a lot of international dreadheads. Shout out to all of y'all in the yeah. fucked up time zones. That you I've said a lot of places you graduate at 16 years old. Well, no, I was sitting there thinking, like, yeah. you know, I mean, because a lot of people kind of join the army here and do a normal stint because of the free tuition and things uh-huh. like that. So. Even if you want to go to culinary school, there is tuition for that. So it is, it's just weird to hear someone like I'll join the army so I can go fucking be a chef. That's where, and again, I mean, there's, there's plenty of people who work in food. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just, it is a weird pairing to see, especially someone at 16 and be like, I'll carry a gun and go fucking cook up some fucking crumpets. Because that's all they eat over there. That and that and fish. And that's good. That's some sort of weird say potato product that they call chips. <laughs> They're known as fries. Fucking get it right. You okay? Go ahead, Joe. Uh, September of 1961, he ended up passing the entrance exam and enlisted for n- nine years of service. I wonder if that's their standard over there. That's a lot more than ours. I didn't look it up actually, and I should have. Um, I, mean, again, I was actually they, really interested too because I was just like, damn, nine years is an uh, like a weird number. Well, see, over here, I don't even think that you can enlist that long. Like you have to re up every time yeah because like you, yeah like once you boot might, camp and then you have to like sign up for so many years and then in a few years you have to contract again that, that's and what contract I'm, thinking, again. I, I, I'm pretty certain on that but i could be wrong and both of my elder brothers you know shout out i fucking support the troops and shit like that one's in the army the other's national guard <laughs> <laughs> clearly i did not do that i was i was way too fat at the time for them to take me and now that i'm healthy and thin i'm really fucking scared of fighting for anybody so uh <laughs> You know, shout out to those who do and me who takes advantage of those that do. <laughs> now, within weeks of his training in Aldershot, Hampshire, he was actually excelling in his army duties. Um, he was highly praised for it. Um, he actually later described his three years of training as like some of the happiest of his life. Some people really thrive in that structure. Yeah. Say what you will about it. There's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot of fucking like data behind unruly kids yeah going in there and needing that structure i actually equate it to like the same um the benefits it's like some people when they join church is like having that structure and kind of being told like how to act and how to be can be of a great benefit to certain personality types and like definitely the army of course that's why we ain't religious here but we love all of you especially the Reverend Leslie Jackson, <laughs> who we found out this week, he's from Louisiana. His church is in Texas. Yes. So you know a pastor who binges spread the dread. Probably carries a gun. Black pastor <laughs> in Texas. That is a trill-ass church. Yeah. If we ever go out there, we're going to find where that church is. Right. We'll go to that church. Yeah, we will. I don't know if we'll catch fire going through the doorway, but, <laughs> no. uh, but we'll at least attempt it. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so... 
like we were saying, he highlighted um, that, uh, that being the happiest part of his life. But he also highlighted taking part in a ceremonial parade um, and where his regiment actually was attended by the the queen. So, like, he got to, like, do some kind of, like, I guess, parade. Oh, That's yeah, what I'm sure. understanding, like, yeah, where, yeah. like, did they do the designation and, like, oh, yeah. the army they, shit, they I guess. a lot of that stuff where you have military parades and stuff like that. There we like go. That. That's so what I think of. But I would imagine you have to be high enough up. Mm-hmm. And of higher enough regard to actually get into doing that. So, but I mean, he's over there recounting it as like, you know, a great thing that he got to experience, which is, you know, cool too. But yeah, I mean, if I, fu- I mean, I don't give a fuck about the queen, whoever it is now that Elizabeth's fucking century year old ass finally passed. But I thought it was her, uh, uh son. Well, her son is now, but isn't there still technically a queen? Like, is Camilla the queen now because she's married to the king, right? But I don't know since she's not blood. I don't give a fuck. I don't don't give a fuck. Y'all's monarchy. Y'all fucking, you guys hate the queen. Same time if someone says anything about it, you want to fucking fight someone over it. So I, you know, y'all do your own thing. Now, Dennis continued to keep his sexual orientation well hidden, uh, and especially from his colleagues. He never showered in the company of his, uh, you know, the fellow soldiers. Um, He was actually really fearful of developing erection (laughs) in their presence. I was about to say that. I didn't see that in the notes. I was like, he probably is fucking kind of awkward to explain (laughs) raging fucking hard on a shower full of 15 other dudes like what the water I soaped it too much I'm sorry I'm not gay you're gay that's gay you think I'm gay (laughs) Uh, he actually stated that he opted to bathe alone in private so he could actually jack off just to kind of I guess release the pressure I mean that's just a standard thing yeah sometimes I like to shower alone Joe (laughs) sometimes we got three kids clearly we still have good sex Sometimes I just want to do it myself. My I hand, think everybody does. My hand was there for me, you know, near my eyebrow. I came up Southern Baptist. I was terrified. I figured if I fucking, like, like if some girl gave me a handy, she was going to go home later, pee and wipe, and I was going to get her fucking pregnant. So I was terrified of that. My hand helped me a lot. And I like to remind him that he's there every now and then. And I remember that. He still appreciated Something else I have common with Dennis Nilsson. It's just normal stuff. I'm not seeing too much wrong with him other than the fucking sibling touching at this point. Now, in mid-1960, uh, Nelson actually began to drink heavier. Um, I, I, maybe it was like the stress of being in the service. And Probably the depression from hiding who he was. Yeah, and I was going to say that next. The, yeah. the pressure of just being knowing who you are and not being able to be truthful about it. And he described himself and his colleagues as like, you know, a hardworking, boozy lot. Um, and he often drank to kind of ease his shyness. Uh, and Which I understand too, because like that was a big reason why I used to smoke a lot of pot is because I was like super shy and socially awkward it was the only way that I could get past those like those barriers. No, it, it would be weird for for most of y'all you, you listen to this. Joe is an extreme introvert. Yeah. Now, liquor her up a little bit or well, she, <laughs> she can't do weed anymore and stuff like that. She's We're past the drug stage in our life yeah. except for Schedule 35 which you should go use promo code STD. And that's and only him, not off. me. <laughs> yeah, she can't even do that because she's in nursing and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, you, but, but no, you, you really, you're not that's why you liked me so much because I just explode into a room. Yeah, like the and only times anybody ever heard. Everybody. Yeah, I was about to say the only time like I ever got boisterous or like you know outside of my norm was if I got angry because like if you push my buttons, that I is true. You will catch fucking hands back in the day that from me. Like I had true. a horrible fucking temper. But no, I remember when we were getting ready to start this podcast, you you had a lot of doubts. She's like, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, and then, uh, and, you, and we sit in a room with no one watching us, and you talking <laughs> to a mic, and you were worried about doing that. Yeah, and you're doing great. <laughs> 
<laughs> 60 episodes in. Here we go. Uh, um, now, so on one occasion, Dennis and a German youth, because we're talking about him just drinking and his capabilities. So, of course, there was some Germans around while he was drinking. Like, um, you'll so, run into Germans if you drink enough. I promise you that. No matter where you live, you'll find your local Germans if you're drinking enough. And if enough. you think you can hold your liquor or your beer... Holy fuck, drink drink with a German or a Polish person. They will drink your goddamn ass under the table. Yeah. As the Germans would say, <laughs> nine. <laughs> which means no. Blast check, I'm talking about you. <laughs> You're talking uh, about Rochelle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I say, on one occasion, Dennis and a German youth drank themselves into a horrible fucking stupor. And when he woke, he found actually himself on the floor of this kid's apartment, his flat. Now, no sexual activity occurred, but this incident actually fueled Dennis's sexual fantasies because it kind of involved having a young slender guy um, oh, be yeah. completely passive and oh, submissive and it, damn. <laughs> it it gradually evolved into fantasies of this you know imaginary partner being unconscious or dead yeah i'm out when that happens yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with a little friendly choking but you gotta know what's going on there the dead you part better have a safe word sure. safe word yes and it doesn't need to be a common word <laughs> you don't 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 sit there and think like laundry <laughs> i've had enough marital sex that that word can come up <laughs> Oh, mid, shit, the lunch. Mid-thrust. That word can come up just completely by accident. People get hurt that way. So make sure your safe word is an uncommon one. Yeah, so he, he was having these fantasies. And uh, Dennis actually started to make efforts to uh, to 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 have himself be you know sexually prone to his colleagues. Mm-hmm. Kind of started putting the vibe out there. Yeah. You know? Maybe you know. Maybe he was you know bending over a lot more than he normally or brushing would, or up against them. something like that. Oops. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my bad. Like, <laughs> Uh, and again, his father's name was Olaf, so he's probably packing a good, a pretty good unit down there. Regardless, uh, whenever he and his colleagues would, you know, go out and drink a lot, Dennis would pretend he was really drunk, uh, hoping that one of them would use him sexually because he was unconscious. Where that's, yeah, that's not and a, quote unquote unconscious. So he's just pretending. Yeah, he wanted to pretend to be unconscious. Yeah. Now that takes us to 1966. Uh, Nielsen actually returned to Aldershot, well, where he uh, passed his official catering exam. So he did go on for cooking as he wanted to uh, before being deployed to serve as a cook for the British army in Norway, the land of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1967, Dennis was employed in the state of Ad- I'm going to guess Aden or Aden. I don't know if we're back in Norway still here, Threadheads, <laughs> uh, where he began to cook at the, oh no, he's oh, at the Almansura prison. So he's a prison chef at this point. Uh, this was a, uh, more dangerous than the last. So it was more dangerous to be in the prison than it was to- No, uh, in, this, in this area. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what ended up happening is like while he was there, uh, Nelson was actually ca- kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver who ended Whoa. up beating him unconscious and placed him in the trunk of his car. Now the driver then opened the trunk, but Nelson grabbed a jack handle and knocked the driver to the ground, beat him fucking unconscious, and then shoved the man in the, the trunk of his own fucking taxi. That's a power move. Sometimes yeah. that's what you got to do. So this was just a more dangerous region or uh, deployment, I guess, or station. Gotcha, gotcha. So so Nelson had his own room mm. in in Aden and. Uh, and the privacy, thank God, finally, to <laughs> masturbate undiscovered. Thanks for making sure to put that in there, Chris And I was really worried about when he was masturbating between you know times when people were popping the fucking trunk on this dude. Uh, he, he, his un- he was really getting unsatisfied with, with the lack of being able to fulfill his sexual fantasies 
uh, you know, with 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 either dead or unresistant partners. Um, and he kind of compensated this in a weird way. Yeah, he kind of would imagine in, uh, imagine himself like in se- sexual encounters with an unconscious body as he jerked off by looking at his own nude reflection. I have done a lot. <laughs> I have never looked at myself naked in a mirror and gotten off. I should. <laughs> I think we all should. Honestly, I just don't know if I could. <laughs> Nothing about me turns me on. So, like, <laughs> so this is like a really weird thing he did. So like he would actually use a freestanding mirror, a mirror, and he would kind of create an effect where if he positioned the mirror just right, so his head was out of view, he could actually visualize himself with another man. That is some Buffalo Bill. Well, no, if you land. think about it, I when people it, have um, phantom limb, uh, they actually use mirror mirrors to help with cognition pain perceived pain so they'll put a mirror up beside the one the uh, the limb that's still there and actually make them visualize the other limb is still there wow and it helps okay. with pain i know it's weird as shit and i'm probably using all the wrong terms but i thought that was really interesting because he he tended to say that he created the ideal circumstance in which he kind of could visually split his personality right and his fantasies evolved because uh it was on near death experience obviously so i mean that could have had and then of course we're talking about the near-death experience while he was drowning as a youth. Yeah, that's But then, it. of course, this near-death experience with the cab driver, yep. that that happened. Uh, also, he had apparently seen a lot of dead bodies in Aden. Uh, so, he, you know, he, he's seeing death. He's seeing what he would describe as the unresistant bodies, which is fucking, that's a gross term. <laughs> uh, and then also, like, imagery of 19th century oil painting entitled The, uh, entitled the Raft of Medusa, uh, which depict an old man holding the limp nude body of a dead youth as he sits aside the dismembered body of another man. On a weekend, I would sort of pull out the floorboards, and I find it totally unpleasant, and get blinding drunk, so I could face it, and start the section yeah. on the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. What's and I'd go, I'd go out and be sick outside in the garden, haul the body out onto the floorboards, put it on the sheet, and then cut it out. So what you actually just heard was a clip where Nelson was talking to investigators during an interview, talking about his capability of dismembering bodies. And, and now you see why I was like, he doesn't, I didn't think he was Scottish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, not at all. He sounds very English, but you can tell by like how he... British. Yeah, it's almost like he's already separated himself from the things that he did for sexual gratification. No, no. I mean, he sounds very cool, calm, and collected about all of it, speaking very very, uh, matter-of-factly. Now, Nelson's most vividly recalled fantasy, and now this is kind of a paraphrase of a quote, was a thin, attractive, young, blonde I'm going to assume, man, recently. Oh, wait, hold on. Here we go. Oh, let me start over now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it gets deep fast. This gets dark and gross and it's a little (laughs) sexy to start with. A thin, attractive, young, blonde, recently killed soldier is dominated by a faceless, dirty, gray-haired old man who washes his body before engaging in sex with a spread eagle corpse. We've yeah. all been there, dreadheads. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, you know, sometimes the, the, sometimes the pickings get slim if you're at the bar at 2 a.m. You gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, so now when the re- lights get turned on at Scorpios. Oh my goodness. Uh, 
That's that's some gay stuff, literally, because that's a gay bar that I've never <laughs> been to, but uh, I'll take your word for it there. Now, after completing his deployment in Aden, uh, he returned to the UK and served at a barracks in Plymouth, Devon, where he cooked daily for soldiers and officers. Now, months later, he was sent to West Berlin. That's probably not a good spot at this time, <laughs> uh, where he picked up his first female prostitute. Uh, and went along, to, you know, bragging with his other fellow soldiers. Uh, but, you know, in later confession, stating he found it really overrated and depressing. Again, because he wasn't being true to himself. He was trying to be something he wasn't. He was a fucking gay dude. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, October 72, he retired from his 11-year military career. So he signed up for nine, did two more at the rank of corporal. October to December of 72, he lived, he moved back and lived with his family. Uh, his mom regularly nagged him about not having... Uh, you know, any kind of wife or family or anything Girlfriends like that. Girlfriends or even just even fucking female companionship. Right. Uh, on one occasion, he uh, watched a documentary about gay men with his brother and his brother's wife. Uh, they were against it, but Dennis spoke up uh, in defense of it, which caused a fight. Uh, Olaf informed his mother that Dennis was gay. Dennis never spoke to Olaf again. You never out any motherfucker about that. No, People will come out when no. they come out, but again. And even despite like what we know uh, Dennis to eventually become, like that was really fucked up as a family member to sit there and be like, oh, you're you're fucking gay. Time to like belittle you even more to the family. Right, and, and it's even made a rift between Dennis and his mother. He only maintained sporadic contact with his mom via writing after this. Uh, December 72, Dennis joined the, the uh, Metro Police and moved to London to begin training. There we go. Sounds like you're from London. Probably why he was fucking doing shit over there, just eating fish and chips and fucking, you know, just being fucking British as shit. Uh, he enjoyed the work, but he did miss, you know, the com the comradeship of the army, yeah. mostly probably because he was 24 seven surrounded yeah, yeah. by fucking dudes. And on the police force, I miss seeing Cox. Like, yeah, it's probably yeah, just, just sitting there, just like, oh my god, I, I really I miss, miss all being of the penises. I miss not being able to shower with others out of fear of getting a massive fucking half Norwegian, half UK erection. Uh, but it was still kind of sad because he this actually kind of pushed him to begin drinking, you know, alone nightly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, he he's not doing again. He's not being true to himself. Yeah. And that's that's again that that. We know a lot. I just every, feel like we're know. seeing a lot of milestones that had it gone a little bit more in the positive direction, maybe would have never tipped the scales for him to go. Not gone that and that's an excuse, because believe no. me, Dennis Dennis starts tipping these scales pretty heavily. Summer yeah. of '73, Joe, tell us about that. Yeah, so this is where Dennis actually begins frequenting gay pubs and kind of having casual I would imagine sex. More freedom being in London. You're in a major city. And you're in the '70s. Exactly. You're in the free love movement, yeah. particularly over there. So yeah, he's got to be feeling freer now than he ever has before for yeah, sure but unfortunately he really he actually viewed these encounters as what he quoted as soul destroying um in which he quote would only lend his partner his body in a vain search for inner peace now wow. that's really sad um which to him was a long-term relationship so he wanted companionship he wanted to feel loved by somebody for an extended period of time not just these like one-offs you could so totally hear that beer cracking <laughs> I was... <laughs> 
I stared at you. I know. If your I face stared at you said, right in the eye the whole time. I was like, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do it well. And no one's going to hear it. You did, <laughs> did not. not. Uh, so that brings so us. the end of summer. We're talking like August of 73, Joe. Yeah. So after a failed relationship, um, he kind of decided that his lifestyle was completely at odds with his job. Which, and- again, there's there's more tearing there. He, li- <laughs> he, he wants to accept himself being gay. Yeah. And he likes being a metro cop. But now, so two things that he identifies as he feels like clashing that's just going to drive ripping him off, yeah ripping him apart right um so uh, his biological dad actually died around the same month and left him a thousand pounds which is like twelve thousand like eight hundred dollars in u.s you know at Today. this point in yeah, time yeah. yeah and now in december of 73 uh dennis actually resigned from the police so yeah uh, eventually that being at odds kind of broke him down he was only there for about a year yeah he couldn't handle it and obviously he can do long stints so this obviously shows you there was a lot of turmoil maybe he found a lot of temptation in london yeah, that too. Uh, very know, much so. Maybe, maybe some, some some people don't do well with the freedom to be themselves. They've they've identified as something closeted for so long that it's actually it, it actually it's it's a scary lot to take on. Be that free, right. yeah. Um. So in May of 1974, he actually found work as a civil servant, and now his attendance record was mediocre, and he frequently volunteered to work overtime. And many of his colleagues actually suspected he was just a plain old loner. Now in '79, he was actually a acting executive officer and eventually was promoted to executive officer oh wow mm-hmm. yeah so he sounds important yeah and he actually remained in that position until he was arrested now i'm going to back us up a little bit in november of 1975 and, and into again, his if, first relationship right, and, and if it feels like we're doing a lot of building like it, it this is all part of nielsen's timeline now for yeah. a lot of people in true crime Dennis Nielsen is not unheard of. Now, he's not something that's been beaten over the head to death, like a lot of stuff we avoid. But Dennis Nielsen is not someone that if you're really in a true crime, you've heard of this guy. Yeah, but his psychological profile is fucking profoundly fascinating. and, and, And that's sometimes the biggest thing. We love to bring you guys the obscure. All of it, like we mm-hmm. do. Sometimes it's very difficult because it's obscure for a reason. Yeah. There's not a lot, a lot to dig out. Then yeah. you have someone like Nielsen, who's definitely not as well known, but there's a ton of facts on him. So I promise you, Dreadheads, we are getting you there again. Chris Owen did a fantastic job with these notes. There Hopefully was you're not too more... mad at me. I did cut him down. So No, we, we absolutely <laughs> had to because, I mean, we could have we probably done a, a two-partner on him, and we yeah. just never really wanted to do that on yeah. one topic. So we're, we're getting to the murder, Dreadheads. <laughs> Hang in. This is the last section. Joe, take us to November of 1975. Yeah, so uh, Nelson was actually at a pub, and he came across David Gallican, age 20. Yeah, I bet uh, he came across him. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, he I'm going to act- stop talking now. <laughs> 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 um, he was being threatened by two older men. Dennis intervened. They chatted, and then Dennis brought him back to his place. They stayed up, drank, and even chatted more. Well, when he he found out that David was unemployed and living in a hospital, the father stole not a hospital. I said I thought I said hostel. You said hospital. Oh, I'm sorry, hostel. You got hospital on the brain because you started your new hospital job yeah, mid episode. Congratulations yeah. to Joe. She started working at the hospital this week. Yay. We spread dread, and she saves lives. So we're we're paying it back <laughs> somewhere or another. Um, 
Um, so um, he found out that David was unemployed and living in a hostel the next day. Next day after meeting him, um, he, they decide that they're going to live together and he used part of his inheritance money to find a bigger place. Right, the thousand that Dennis's biological dad yeah, thousand had pounds. left him. Yeah, exactly. Olaf, the fucking, <laughs> fucking hammer dick. <laughs> um, this is where they moved into 195 Melrose Avenue. It's a sexy street. <laughs> um, they seldom had sex and Nilsson was actually really content with David but within a year of moving in together the relationship is already starting to show strain you gotta they- bang I'm sorry like unless you're both like really not into sex which that's fine, but if you, I mean, you can't, you can't two find... asexuals coming together would be profoundly beneficial. Right, both but, them, but it's really the you case. You can't have someone that's kind of meh about sex with someone that's hypersexual. Like you, that is, I'm just telling mm-hmm. you right now, you're not going to work that out. Yeah, you're not going to come to like some meeting place. Nope. But they, at that point in time, uh, they ended up starting to sleep in separate beds. Both began to bring home like their own casual sex partners. And David insisted, even during interviews after Dennis was arrested, that Dennis had never really been violent towards him but was very verbally abusive and they had actually begun frequently arguing um, by 1976. Right. Now by May of 1977 Dennis demanded that David leave the residence after a really heated argument even though David later recounts uh, to investigators that he was the one who actually ended the relationship. I didn't dump, he didn't dump me. me I dumped I him. Dumped him. <laughs> Do you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no one dumps David. David doesn't get dumped by by a motherfucker named Dennis. You shitting me. Now, I left because I wanted to leave. <laughs> I missed my hostel. <laughs> now, by, light, uh, by late 1978, um, you know, Dennis, at this point in time in his life, was living a very solitary he's, he's, existence. He's, he's, he's retracting back into right, himself like because in childhood. Of, of disappointment. And in the 18, in 18 months... After this uh, breakup, he had actually had three failed relationships and even later confessed that he thought he was completely unfit for cohabitation and a steady relationship. I think that about myself a lot. (laughs) I'm just like, you know what? I'm not fit to be around these kids. And Joe, you she's probably, she's probably in a studio apartment in the big city. Dude, no, you I, leave me with these goddamn kids, I, know, I will gonna, track you down and I will fucking murk you. I understand that. I know what I've, I know what I've signed up yes, for at this point. <laughs> now, by, um, it, uh, like we're saying, like he, he's been having all these failed relationships. He's obviously in a depressive state. Yeah, he's, so just, he's, he's just working yeah. and drinking. Yes. And, like, and just staying off on himself. And as we know from time and time again, <laughs> obviously he would not be on the show. So this is 1978. He was born in 45. So at this point, he's in he's in his early 30s. 30s. Yeah. And Dreadheads, now we get to the reason as Joe cracked a beer as she insulted me. She didn't try to hide it, to be fair. I was no, trying I don't to be sneaky. She wasn't. But here we are. Let's talk about some motherfucking murder. So Dennis decides it's it's best to to close the chapter on 1978 on December 30th by Getting his first victim, one Stephen Holmes, who's only 14. Mm -hmm. Now, this is obviously where I'm just like, okay, man, like you're not fitting the pattern of what went back. Only other pattern, as far as your history, the only pattern you're fitting at this point was when you were fucking around with your siblings at a younger age with this, this younger person. And again, Chris Owen did the notes. Joe did the editing and stuff. Some for the first time. So this trend may not hold, but let's dive into it. Uh, Dennis had been drinking heavily uh, that day and decided that evening that 
he must at all cost leave his flat and seek out some company. And I'm assuming the kind of company he'd been dying for, the the, the non-resistant body that he had been looking for. Um, Stephen Holmes encountered Dennis in the Cricklewood Arms pub. Uh, he invited Stephen to to the house with promises of drinking and listening to music. Dennis thought that Stephen was 17. So, okay, maybe there's a little bit different there. Uh, once they got home uh, to Stephen's house, both he and Stephen drank heavily before falling asleep. Now, the following morning, Dennis woke to find Holmes beside him on the bed. Uh, and he stated that he was afraid to wake him in case he would leave me. Uh, Dennis decided he would stay with him through the new year. Uh, whether he wanted to or not, yeah. like whether he had already made it up in his mind, he was just like, I want this person here through the new year. Yeah. Okay. So they go back to Dennis's place then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I read that wrong. Cause I was sitting there thinking, I was like, Steven's 14. There's gotta be fucking parents at home. Nope. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Dennis takes them back to his flat as would be, <laughs> uh, which makes more sense there. Uh, yeah. So, uh, he then, I guess decided is, hey, I need this guy through the new year and he may not want to stay. So uh, Dennis strangled uh, Stephen, then drowned him in a bucket of water. I don't know which one was the, the fatal part of that. I don't know if the water. Him. Yeah, he strangled so, him unconscious and then drowned him in the water. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So, um, this is kind of where Dennis starts kind of evolving his ritual. Um, he then washes uh, Stephen's body and in at his bathtub before putting him on the bed and kind of caressing his body because because he's kind of romance uh, romanticizing well, yeah, yeah, his now, first. Yeah, Dennis has what he's always wanted exactly. at this point. Exactly. Even though he had to kill to get it, this is what he wanted. Dreadheads, and, and it's weird. That he's kind of, I guess he finally was just like, look, if I if I want to get what I want, I'm going to have to kill someone to get it. Because yeah. his fantasies didn't really involve murdering. No. It involved him, again, being being non-resistant. Again, again, necrophilia was going on in there, but it was never, he never really mentioned wanting to kill someone. I think he finally realized to, to get his desire, he was going to have to kill someone to do it. Yeah. So after he did all this, he ended up jerking off twice over the body while he waited for rigor mortis to pass so that he could actually stash his body under the floorboards. Wait a second. So rigor mortis passes? Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, I thought once they went stiff, they went stiff, and that was it. No, 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 no. Holy shit! So it's I, I'm gonna fuck no, no, it up. Yeah, you don't gotta give specifics. But I was just essentially, conf- I think it's like when lactic acid releases or is absorbed, the muscles tighten up, and then after it's metabolized to a certain extent, or some other chemical gets released, that's when the muscles then go uh, go again flaccid, and the body's maneuverable again. Ugh. Yeah, so rigor don't does- say b- maneuverable body in a Dennis Nilsson episode because uh, that's all he was waiting on. <laughs> Continue so sorry. without your science. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Stephen's corpse actually remained in uh, under the floorboards for uh, around eight months, Ooh. and on and on August 11th of 1979, Dennis, so we're like yeah, we're like fucking nine months past this. Yes, um, he exhumes the body essentially, um, and Dennis has a bonfire in his garden where he burns Stephen's body. Yeah, Dennis said, "I quote, quote, I eased him into his new bed." Sorry, I'm not going to read it like <laughs> that because no. yeah. <laughs> I eased him into his new bed beneath the floorboards. A week later, I wondered whether his body had changed at all or had started to decompose. I pulled the dirt strained youth up, sorry, the dirt stained youth up onto the floor. His skin was very dirty. I stripped myself naked and carried him into the bathroom and washed his body. There was practically no decoloration and his skin was pale white. His limbs were more relaxed than when I had put him down there, 
end quote. Yeah. Gross fucking beer. So this and kind of like Dennis's words um, started him down the avenue of death and possession of a new kind of flatmate. Right. He's got a roommate now and it's, it's yeah, the they're perfect not, they're definitely mate not he wanted. The bills. Uh, October 11th of 1979. Next victim is Andrew Ho. Now Ho was a Hong Kong exchange student. You know, I could really make a joke about the fact Ho, that his last Hong name's Kong. Ho. Yeah. But no, not the Hong Kong part, just the whole part. <laughs> well, I'm a little classy. I was thinking than that. like a Hong Kong But you know what? I'm not going to do that because I'm sure something's fucked up is going to happen to this guy. Uh, they actually met at, met at St. Martin Lane Pub. Uh, Dennis lured him to his flat with the promise of sex. Uh, he attempted to strangle Andrew Ho. Uh, but Ho managed to escape and reported to police. All right, so I can make that. I can make jokes about his last thing. Yeah, he got, yeah. The the Ho had to go. <laughs> he got the fuck out of there. And Dennis was questioned, but Ho didn't press charges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just like, I'm only here for a short period of time, and this is not a fun time, so I'm going back home. Fuck this. <laughs> probably, probably overstayed his welcome yeah, on his legal thing. It was like, fuck, bro. Like, I should have actually I'm bouncing. Left. I was supposed to leave, like, you know, earlier this year, and I'm not. So, no, I don't report this, but I'm, I'm going <laughs> to bounce out of here. You fucking Brits are crazy. Uh, so... Again, he he fails to do what he wants to do with Andrew Ho in October of 79. So December 3rd of 1979, he meets up with Kenneth Ockenden, uh, visiting England from Canada. Hey, yeah. Canada age just 23. Keeps, just keeps yeah. popping up. Yeah, Dennis Ockenden. I'm going to say Ockenden. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ockenden, whatever. Uh, was visiting England from Canada to see relatives. Uh, both Kenneth and Dennis were drinking in the West End pub. Uh, Dennis offered... To, uh, to show Kenneth around some of the landmarks, and, and Kenneth accepted. Dennis then invited him to his home for food and drinks. So, you know, Ken's like, fuck yeah, these Brits are awesome, <laughs> man. Like, this is this is great. Uh, they were drinking, and Kenneth was listening to music with actually headphones on. Don't don't go doing that at strangers' houses. Because <laughs> no. back then, headphones, all of the them were noise muffs. cancellation. Yeah, they're the big muffins. They didn't ones. have small ones, so yeah. they had to encompass literally half, half of your, your fucking head, head <laughs> and just blast cancer right down into your fucking audible canals. There was no other way. It was a different time. Um Dennis then strangled him with the cord of the headphones. And again, this is headphone cords back then were like phone cords. You were not going to survive if someone strangled you with a 1979 headphone or phone cord. Uh, it's, apart they from were like a, half coaxial steel and half fucking rubber. It was just wound, <laughs> just wound copper with some shit on it. Like you ain't getting out of no. that. You're fucked. Um, so uh, the next day, Dennis took Polaroids of Kenneth's body in different positions and things like that. He then laid Kenneth's body spread eagle on the bed. Uh-huh, like we heard like he previously, wanted, and then yeah. Just, and then just watched TV for several hours. Like yeah, he was he just happy he had it. Yes, yeah, he, had he had the companionship, companionship that he wanted. Because yep. let's not lie, Dennis Nilsson felt like he didn't have companionship. He had camaraderie in the Army. He had a, he had a family that by all intents and purposes, apart from a shithead older brother— didn't seem to really do any wrong to him or anything like that. He wanted a certain type, a non-resistant body type of companionship. And now he had it. Uh, he then wrapped up Kenneth's body in plastic bags and stowed them under the floorboard. So I'm going to assume when he's storing them, he's storing them for the rigor mortis. The, the rigor, does rigor mortis last for months? No. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, I think only rigor lasts for like 72 hours. Okay, so that's fine. So he's not, putting them down there, I guess, just to, just to, just to keep them. Just back them. Yeah. away. So they're there, I guess, when and if he yeah. wants them and now, needs them. But what the crazy thing is, like on four different occasions over the following night, he actually would bring Kenneth's body out 
and actually would uh, seat him up in his armchair as he watched TV and, you know, got tanked. So this brings us to May 17th of 1980 and uh, victim Martin Duffy, age 16. Duffy had actually hitchhiked from Birkenhead, Mary Island to London without his parents' knowledge and after he'd been questioned for evading his train fare. Um, he was exhausted and hungry and when Dennis actually offered a bed and a meal for the night, obviously Duffy accepted. Well, Duffy ended up falling asleep on De- on Dennis's um uh, couch and he Dennis ended up uh, fashioning a ligature around his neck and sat on his chest tighten it and uh, t- continue tightening it until he became unconscious Jesus he then drowned him in his kitchen sink and bathed his body again going after his same mo and Dennis recalled Ugh, he w- that's gross hold on no, I'm sorry I was looking at what you're about to say yeah. sorry I didn't mean to preach <laughs> god damn that's nasty yeah so Dennis recalled he was the youngest looking I had ever seen he was the youngest looking I'd ever seen. <laughs> um, he kissed and caressed Duffy uh, before sitting on his stomach to jerk off onto him. Um, he stowed him for two days in a cupboard before the body began bloating. What are British cupboards like? Our, mostly, I think a cupboard. It's like cabinets here. That's I think not, it's a hutch, like like a China okay, hutch. Okay, because our cabinets are not conducive to hiding a 16-year-old body. Yeah, I don't know, right? Uh, but he was actually put under the floorboards after the two days he spent in the cupboard. Jesus. Now, now, this he's almost like the Gacy of this exactly. place. He's just fucking hoarding fucking bodies. bodies yeah, gross. So between June um, and December of 1980, he killed five more men and attempted to murder one other. Now, one of the victims, William Sutherland, age 26, was the only one identified uh, identified from this period of time. All right. So we got some more identity. So so four out of five were are they still unidentified uh, to still this day? Un- Jesus. Yep, yeah. Okay. So Dennis's recollections of the other victims were really vague and he couldn't remember any names and he even had nicknames for some and he could graphically recall how each victim had actually been murdered and how long the body had been you know kept before dissection oh. but he couldn't remember any other information now the body the important the bits that mattered to him yeah he, that was he, the only thing that was important yeah memory as far as the the getting them to that point which again it's 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 weird because you almost feel like he what it's it's really not about the murder no. It's about getting them to be, like I said, that that non-resistant body. Yeah, the perfect he remembers companion the de- to him. He remembers the details. At- Most serial killers remember the the murder. Yeah. The murder is what gets them off. Even yeah. if they're necrophiles. He remembers the like time that. romanicizing with the them in his flat weather dead. The time the corpse. Yeah. Fucking yeah. weird, which again, lends credence to him being nicknamed the kindly killer. Yeah, so the bodies actually eventually, obviously, uh, attracted insects and reeked, especially the fucking summer months. Ooh. And he noted they were covered with pupae and infested with maggots. And some of the victims' heads had maggots even crawling out of their eye sockets at, and at mouths. This point, He's watching decomp as he keeps on pulling right, up so, these but, floorboards. But at this point... He hasn't gotten rid of any bodies yet, correct? No, they're just underneath the fucking floorboards in <sighs> the crawl space, kind of how like Gacy fucking did. He's not or even burying even like Honka, Gacy did. Fritz Honka did some of that stuff too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Hamburg Hooker Hacker. That's a great one. <laughs> and that's one of our most popular ones. Yeah. He's one of the most lesser known. I, yeah. I, I love, I love, oh, I don't love him. He's a piece of shit, but I loved, I loved looking up about Fritz Honka. Yeah. So he actually would, put, Dennis would put deodorant beneath the floorboards and sprayed insecticide a few times a day, but of course. <laughs> it does not work. 
work. No, no. The, it didn't get rid of the smell, and the flies remained. Now, by like what Gacy threw a bunch of like lime, lime. down, yeah. lie and lime or which way yeah, where he threw that down, and then Fritz Honk actually put air like car air fresheners, air fresheners like the little fucking pine tree that drunk air bastard. Yeah, all he had was pornography yeah. and fucking air freshener, little car trees all over his apartment. How any woman guy. went in there and decided to stay for more than two minutes because they were drunk me. too. I get yeah, that yeah. was all about fucking alcohol yeah. right there. So late 1980, Dennis actually removed and chopped up all the bodies. Here we go. He's yeah. okay. Finally, I was going to say it's I mean, time to think, get rid of you shit. Think, you think I mean he's he, usually they refer to flats or they're, they're they're apartments mm-hmm. usually, but again he's he's one guy. So it's I can't rental. imagine there's a lot of fucking space. Nah. With these, flo- I mean he's just putting people under floorboards, and I mean he's. At this I was saying, point, I'm thinking like under the fl- the fl- the square footage of a townhome footprint that's maybe two stories. Like it's not much. If that, yeah. So yeah. Okay. So now we're finally getting to again, like we had talked about earlier, you know, or even in that audio clip we played, yeah, where he talked about the dissection. So now we're getting into that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here we so go. he removed the uh, removed chops up the bodies. It makes a bonfire. It actually ends up sticking a tire on top to kind of disguise the smell. Now Dennis recalled um, how nothing's wrong over there, man. He's just no. burning a tire. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis, fuck, reco- I've burned a tire myself for time or two. <laughs> now I Den- went a little Australian, probably because of the Coors Light. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it's not an Australian beer. No, Maybe it's not. But tipsy. Foster's is Australian for beer. Coors Light is all white trash for beer. There you go. Yep. Now Dennis recalled how three neighborhood uh, neighborhood kids actually stood and watched the bonfire, and he wrote in his own memoirs that he quote felt it would have seemed in order if I had seen these children dancing around and mass funeral pyre. All right, Mr. Yeah. Wicker Man, go it, ahead it, with it. your fucking like little fucking weird culty shit yeah. right there. Good. So January of 1981, there was one identified. Uh, unidentified man aged 18 that Dennis described him for uh, two investigators as an eight-year-old blue-eyed young Scott. Um, they had actually met at the yeah, Goldmine Pub. There's not a lot of blue-eyed 18-year-old Scottish people running around uh, there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, what is that, half the population? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Could you be more specific? Well, he had, he had fate. <laughs> two of them, if I recall, recall correctly. <laughs> well, they met at the Goldmine Pub in Soho, and Dennis invited him home with a promise of partaking in a drinking contest. The Goldmine Pub, that sounds sketchy, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. In Soho? Yeah. Like, the, oh boy, there's cocaine in those You're bathrooms. not golden that, for any kind of, uh, you're not mining for no, any kind no. of gold At in a place like that. At least one of the bathrooms, I don't know if it is, some, there's a glory hole in that place. <laughs> Somewhere. And it's an actively used glory hole to this day if it still stands. Now, after several drinks, Dennis str- strangled him with a tie and placed the body beneath the floorboards. And then we're going to we're gonna roll right into February between February and April of 1981, two more unidentified men. Um, one Dennis described as an English skinhead. I'm glad he's out there like, you know, I fucking... So he was bold. Yeah, well, no, usually with the term skinhead... Like it lends, shaved, sorry. Well, it lends to the credence, I mean... I, and a lot of people would, would get this. It lends to a neo-Nazi thing. Uh, oh, okay, that's fine. Which uh, I just think is fucking great because he's yeah. out there like, I don't like Jews, but I, well, not that I love fine. gay bars. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> now, he described the other as a Belfast, a Belfast boy in his early 20s who had actually, um, he had murdered sometime in February, and that's all he could remember. And then we have a big jump to the other side of the summer, September of 17, uh, September yeah, he, 17, yeah, 1981. Took, well, we're in fall now, and September. Yeah, yeah, fall. He took the summer off. Yeah, yeah, he on the Just other like side of summer. Teacher. 
like a teacher would do. He decided to take the summer off, yeah. you know, have a little bit of me time, <laughs> maybe get rid of some more bodies that were starting to get pupa and fucking <laughs> shit like that on his floorboards. And yes, September 17th of 1981, we have Malcolm Barlow, age 23. Now, Nielsen discovered Malcolm slumped against the wall outside of his home, probably pissed up drunk pissed or on drugs drunk. or something. You know it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is UK. <laughs> uh, Dennis suggested that Barlow you know, needs to go to the hospital and actually walked him inside and called an ambulance. So, they, okay, he's fucking okay. That's nice of him. Yeah. Cool. The next day, Malcolm Barlow was released from the hospital and actually returned to, to Nielsen's place to thank him for helping him out. He was invited in. You know, they ate a meal, drank some rum, because clearly when you go to the hospital for alcohol poisoning, you should go have a meal with a stranger and drink again. Um, and uh, Barlow, Nielsen, Barlow yeah. fell asleep on the couch. Yeah. And Dennis, as he was one to do, strangled Barlow as he slept and then store his body uh, under the kitchen sink. So yeah. I'm guessing like, you know, a series of cabinets. Usually your cabinets under the kitchen sink are, are so doubled. Little, they don't have walls in between each yeah, individual yeah. one. Yeah, so you could probably fit someone could, there. Yeah. yeah. You could fold somebody's body up and put it underneath there easily. Right. Uh, and now, so midway through 1981, so we may be even backing up a, a month or so here, uh, Dennis was evicted so the landlord could do renovations. So he was kicked out of it. They needed to update the facility and everything like that. Then he like kills that. Markham, uh, Malcolm Barlow, and then he has to move out by October 5th of 1981. Um, and this is actually where Dennis moves to uh, 23D Cranley Gardens in the Muswell Hill District. Um, so he doesn't take much time. And in March of 1982, he claims his next victim, John Hollett, age 23. He met him while uh, drinking in a pub near uh, Leicester Square. I think they actually pronounce it Leicester, but Lester. L E I C E S T E R. But I believe they pronounce it Leicester Square. Uh, okay. So he was invited to Dennis's flat on the promise of drinking. And there they watched a movie. And then John ended up passing out drunk on Dennis's I bed. Don't like how easily Dennis Nilsson could have murdered me. <laughs> like, he's just a nice guy, and he's like, hey, you want to go drink? I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Let's go drink. You're awesome. Yeah. Let's go drink. Yeah. I, I haven't been told. No one's approached me in a while asking me to go drink with him. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Like, I've, I've been in London for several days, and I've just wanted to hang out with someone to drink, and here you are. Let's fucking go. Like, Now, an hour later, um, after he passed out, Dennis unsuccessfully attempted to actually wake Howlett, and he started to kind of strangle Howlett, and a struggle completely fucking ensued. Dennis managed somehow to strangle him unconscious with an upholstery strap, and then he returned to his living room, kind of shaking from the struggle. You know, right, uh, so the fight or flight is, shit happening. Right, right, because he's still again, he has this non-resistant thing about it. Yeah. So a lot of the times, if you've noticed, dreadheads, he's strangling people while they're asleep. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even want them to resist he want them in resist. their murder. Yeah, exactly. And things like that. And again, it, it's almost like he doesn't take pleasure in the murder. No. And it's weird. It really is. I, I don't mean that in a negative way, but like compared to the other 59 episodes we've done, this may be the first guy who Yeah, he didn't desire did not, the murder. He desired the after he, effect. He wanted so the only, outcome. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Now, on three separate fucking occasions within the next 10 minutes after he this first unsuccessful attempt, he unsuccessfully attempted to kill him yet again. John Howlett was made of fucking stone. Yeah, I know. And kept him, uh, kept seeing him like kind of resume breathing. Finally, Dennis had to decide to fill the bathtub with water and fucking drowned him. 
So two months later, in May of 1982, Carl uh, crosses paths with Carl Strutter, age 21, while they were drinking at the Black Cat Pub in Camden. The other thing I'm noticing, too, is that like he's not going to the same locations. Time no, to time. I mean, he's, he's casually he's... and very easily picking people up. And actually, even after hearing his audio, you can kind of it kind of makes you feel like he was really easy to talk to because he was a kind person. Again, he's, in known conversation. Kind, he's known as the kindly killer. And it's also crazy, too, how many John Doe's that he has. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. in comparison to what, what his body count is, he's got a good bit of unidentified guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said, they were drinking together in Camden. Dennis learned that Carl was actually really depressed over a recent breakup. And after buying him a few, drink, uh, buying him a few drinks, he actually invited him to um, his flat and ensured Carl he had no intention of sex. And so Charter, you know, accepted and it continued consuming more booze and ended up falling, uh, falling asleep in an open sleeping bag. Now, now, this is the crazy thing. He later awoke to find himself being strangled with Nelson loudly whispering, stay still. And oh. Carl thought Dennis was actually trying to free him from the zipper of the sleeping bag before he actually passed back out. <laughs> now is really drunk. When someone's choking you and you're like, oh, the sleeping bag. <laughs> you know, they were hammering it. So, but he ended up, um, he recalled hearing running water and kind of realized he was being immersed and that Nelson was attempting to drown him. That was his gut instinct. Yeah. Now, he, after briefly succeeding and raising his head above water, uh, a starter gasped, you know, no more, please, uh, no more, please. But then again, Dennis emerged his fucking head beneath the water. Yeah. Now, Dennis thought he was dead, sat him up in his armchair, and then realized he was still barely alive. Jesus. And he begins rubbing his arms and legs to increase circulation, covered him in blankets, and laid him up on his bed. That's weird. It is. This is really interesting. Now, uh, Stoddard ends up regaining consciousness, and Nelson embraced him and then explained to him that he had almost strangled himself on the zipper of the sleeping bag. Wow. And that he had resuscitated him because so kind of like a um why the fuck am i wet mate (laughs) (laughs) now this is the explanation so over two days stoddard repeatedly lapsed in and out of consciousness and when he had finally regained enough strength to question dennis um to you know the little bit of memory he had about being kind of strangled and and immersed in water nelson explained he had actually become caught in the zipper of a sleeping bag and then following a nightmare and that he had actually placed him in the cold water because he was in shock just shock him awake to get him out of the nightmare now yes then dennis led carl to a nearby railway station and said he hoped that they might meet again that's fucking nuts so we got another survivor at least there but yeah dennis nilson quick on and he gets right back to it the following month all right yeah june 1982 we got graham allen age 27 now allen was hailing a taxi uh, but I guess, you know, Nielsen saw this happening and offered him to, you know, a ride to come back to his place for, you know, for dinner and Alan accepted as Alan was, uh, sitting and eating his meal, uh, Dennis strangled him and stored his body in the bathtub for three days before eventually chopping him up on his kitchen floor. So this one, he didn't go into the floorboard. Now we're kind of starting, maybe, maybe he's starting to get more into the murder or the fact that because, you know. Uh, who was it? Uh, Carl Strader didn't work out. Yeah. 
he did this, but that's just crazy that there was there's no well real bodies report. tend to decompose at different rates, like on a slight variation, especially when it comes to like rigor. So maybe that was the reason why he was only stored in there for three days. Like it was already setting in too fast. Maybe it was you know with it being a little bit of a warmer month. Gotcha. You know th- those are all variables. All right. Well, either way, he decides to t- he takes the second half of 1982 off. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, tell us about the final victim. This is January 26th of 1983, Mr. Stephen Sinclair, age 20. Yeah, so he was actually last seen by friends in the company of Dennis uh, walking in the direction of the tube station. Now, That's Sin- what they call like their, their underground metro subway. Subway, kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, now, Sinclair fell asleep in a kind of like a drunken stupor in Dennis's armchair while listening to the rock opera Tommy. I do not know what this, I should pull oh, it up. Oh, that's by the who? That's the pinball, the pinball wizard? Oh, that's the, yeah, that's Tommy. Okay, I didn't know that was the name of it. Okay, um, so Dennis, I shouldn't. I don't even <laughs> fucking really like the Who. But I, I mean, if it's a useless fact that won't make me any money, goddamn it, if I don't retain it. <laughs> now, Dennis, Stringer, you know that you've I seen know, our that's bank why I'm account, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> now Dennis strangled him with a necktie and rope. They kind of got fastened or fashioned into like a ligature of some Let sort. Let it be known that I never want to get murdered to Pinball Wizard. <laughs> I just don't want to go out that way. That's There's a, a lot of songs I wouldn't want to be killed to. Yeah, but that's a die ugly one. If I want to go out, I want to at least listen to like a good song. Like, like some impending doom. Like something. Oh. Bro, well, I don't know. I feel like if I'm going out to like some good old black or death metal, I'm probably getting killed very aggressively. At least it'll be quick. A lot of pain. No, it'll be quick. No, it won't. It's dude, like aggressive stabbings. Not if they're not hitting the right spots. Maybe the shock, fight or flight. Maybe all that kicks in. I don't know. I, I hope it's killed. not fight or <laughs> flight. I hope it's give up and stop feeling pain and just die, John. Like, just fucking die. Now, Dennis actually ended up noticing some wound bandages on Stephen's wrist, and he removed them and discovered that there were several deep oh. marks and cuts from where Stephen had actually recently tried to kill himself. Ugh. Now, he bathed the body, laid it on the bed, applied talcum powder all over it, and then arranged three mirrors around the bed and laid naked along, uh, along Sinclair's body. That's weird. One at all the different angles of, of seeing himself. It's mythos. that detachment. Again, it's that detachment. Now, several oh. hours later, he turned Stephen's head towards him, kissed him on the forehead, and told him good night, Stephen. Good night, Stephen. <laughs> Nelson then fell asleep along uh, alongside the body. Now, like Howlett and Alan, Sinclair's body was, again, dissected. Parts were wrapped in plastic bags and stored in the closet or a uh, drawer that was actually beneath the bathtub. Now, Dennis attempted to flush flesh, internal organs, and smaller bones of all three of these last uh, last three victims at the Cranley Gardens home. And, and that's Down a the toilet. Down that's the a, toilet. That's a forewarning. I can't remember yeah. who it was, but we had someone that was doing that same shit. And fucked and up it, their pots. Exactly. You like, cannot probably, do it that way, y'all. No, no. Not with the public. I, don't, I wouldn't do it now in 2023, let alone back then. Now, one interesting thing is that, like, he had done se- uh, uh, with several victims at his previous pa- uh, place on Melrose Avenue, he actually would boil heads, hands, and feet to remove the flesh. Was he keeping the bones? Uh, no. No, 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 this no. This is kind of part of his thing. And, yeah, and this is actually why it rolls us right into his discovery and his arrest. I didn't mean to sneeze, dreadheads. <laughs> I was trying to that catch look it. That disappointment on your face was fucking hilarious. I did, I did not want to sneeze. I'm not sick or anything. Don't that cut just that. Came that out was fucking hilarious. I can't I cut know. that. I'm not good at editing episodes. 
All right, sorry, we're going to take a quick break. Let me wipe my nose, and we'll get right <laughs> back at it, Redheads. <laughs> it's very Anglo. I can't help it. Nose clean, good to go. Sorry about that sneeze. Joe, all right, now that we've got that out, and you've got your giggles done, which everyone loves so much, uh, February 4th of 1983. Now, there's complaints that start getting received. Again, we said this. You cannot flush fucking no, body parts. No, it's not going to break down, toilet. guys. It does not happen that way. No, and so, that's why they start receiving these complaints. Exactly. The drains were clogged at Cranley Gardens. Now, at first, it was just a couple of other residents complaining, but then Dennis finally fucking chimes in and also finds a complaint. Like, like he a didn't fucking put two ass. and two together and be like, look. I look, think he was trying to. I don't to take tra- big shits, but when I do, they're not going down there and if I want to take a proper shit it needs to properly flush you to fix this shit and they're like well it's gunked up with I... hair and skull fragments well, well don't don't tell anybody about that <laughs> no I think the only reason he chimed in is so that it, because all the other tenants were having the same <laughs> issue so like, this, yeah. but if he wasn't one of the ones complaining they were like well why the fuck isn't he complaining because yeah. it affected everybody in the building why is he like his poos not to flush <laughs> <laughs> now the plumbing company that was called out was called Dino Rod <laughs> that right? sounds like a porn name right there right God damn yeah I know or one of those weird fucking like sex short story books to get released on Amazon <laughs> on about like a fucking dude banging a dinosaur just that's so gross it is gross, gross but there's enough of them on there to let me believe that there's money to be made in writing dinosaur erotica and if you are writing dinosaur erotica and you have not written a book entitled dino rod you need to get on that dreadhead and then i want you maybe to that'll be our next book I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I got all kinds of ideas from that. <laughs> now, four days later, on February 8th, um, an employee named Michael Katrin opened the drain at the side of the house, and he discovered that it was packed with, like, a flesh-like substance. <laughs> flesh-like substance. Like, like, it's gelatinous, essentially. Oh. And numerous small bones of an would unknown it, it would, origin. It would, it, would, it would be smelling bad, right? Like, so... Because it waterlogged, too? Because, I mean, usually, if you, if you have, like, a cloth from, like, hair and shit, Flesh it and fat literally look like if you, like make pork and you have to like but like you let it solidify a little bit that like whitish fat layer that shows up on the, the top other white meat yeah that's what but, but it kind of looks like though, it would have to be a smell right it's it's, it's kind of not, not technically because if you have sewage mixing in you then you have other like biochemicals in there yeah, kind of okay. playing with the smell right. um so he ends up opening up the drain side of the house he sees this substance b- bones of an unknown origin and he reports his suspicions to his supervi- uh, supervisor gary wheeler and he's quoted as saying i may not have been in the game for long but i know that isn't shit <laughs> and i'm like that is a great quote thank you chris oh you knew exactly Dude. what i would have put in the same <laughs> I love how anybody could have walked up in there and be like, yeah. That ain't obviously shit. not shit. And, but there's he didn't probably say it. shit. He probably said shite. That ain't shite. But yeah, there's fucking <laughs> teeth mixed in it, Michael Catron, you fucking amateur fucking Sherlock. Yeah, so I guess as he was saying that, uh, as Catron had uh, kind of like proclaimed this, Dennis then quipped in that it was probably someone <laughs> flushing KFC chicken. Like, probably. really? Really? I mean, I'm going to be honest. We live in the south of the USA. <laughs> That's a perfectly plausible reason. <laughs> For any drain within a good seven or eight state radius to not be working. They're like, well, someone flushed KFC chicken bones. And you're like, well, that was stupid of them. But yeah, that makes kind of sense. I can see how you accidentally did that. Yeah. Like, now, who hasn't been enjoying a two-piece on the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> and just actually drop right. some in. 
Now, Catton, um, he actually arrived right around dusk at the property. So him and Wheeler agreed to actually start work the following morning. Got to flush all this shit out, snake it out, get it loose. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, I can't start this tonight. It's too fucking dark. Now, around midnight, which is interesting, one of the tenants heard a strange scraping sound and looked out of her window to see uh, Dennis in the dark near the same exact drain. Holy shit. So, yeah, exactly. So the February 9th at 7 a.m., Catcher and Wheeler arrived. They returned to see a crowd of fucking residents, and they were surprised to see that the drain clog had actually been cleared. And see, the American way would have been like, showed up, job's done, cool, don't alert anybody, off on get it. my money the and bill. bounce, bro. Yes. Now, they were surprised to see it, and then it also made them suspicious. Of course. Catron then discovered more scraps of flesh and four bones in a pipe leading from the drain to, uh, to up towards the top of the 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 top flat well, at yeah, the house. Imagine Nielsen doesn't have the tools to like clear the entire. No, so maybe he can he's only do the superficial. Yeah, he can only do on the how superficial big the shit. Pipe is, yeah, maybe he at best could run his arm up there, but you're only getting to the bend of your elbow, and that's it at best. Yeah, and so Catherine uh, and Wheeler both said that the bones kind of look like bones from a human hand, and that's where they immediately called the fucking police. Smart. Yeah. Now the remains were taken to the mortuary where the pathologist actually identified it as human, and that one. One particular piece was found from a human neck that had a ligature mark. So he. So, so now so they're now, disclosing now, foul play. But they're but they're looking at bones, so bones can get ligature marks. No, they were talking about no, they were talking about a piece of flesh. Oh, that's right, still there was attached flesh to bone. Yeah, got you. Okay, yeah. okay, but that, that's crazy. They yeah. can identify that little small piece because it's in a pipe. But and I like, would that's think a that mark. that actually happened eventually, um, but I don't think it would happen in such a short duration of time unless that fucking specific pathologist or coroner or where the fuck he was actually had the time to like look at it right then and there. <laughs> that's a fucking that's that's headphone cables. That's what that is. <laughs> I have seen it a million times. So the following day on February 10th, the cops actually waited outside of the house until Dennis returned home. So, okay, I guess they had like a quick turnaround then. So my apologies. I, I, miss, I misspoke. Yeah, no, they, they, were, yeah. they were running through it. I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess so they immediately sent it. It was know. like, you need to look at this. We possibly have, you know, um, mal- uh, you know, issue here, murder. Um, so he returned home from work. Dennis returns home from work. Here's the cops. They explained they were inquiring about the blockage in the drains from his flat. And Nelson asked why the police were so interested in his drains hey, fuck off my drain <laughs> who you won't why you go, give a shit why don't you go why do you fucking, give a shite go fucking sh- snake your drains <laughs> the police then snake asked your wife's drain <laughs> um the police then asked if they could have access to his flat to discuss the matter further and then the officers that's a tough up, spot because if you refuse you, you look, look more guilty. guilty if you accept they're going to find the bodies yeah, exactly. in the crawl space. And that's actually what happened. So the police then ask if they could have access to his flat. They end up following him up to um, his home and inside, into the, his apartment where they are then welcomed by the rotting flesh odor emanating from his which apartment. Is, which is honestly weird. It's weird that the first thing that gets them on scene is the block in the drain. Mm-hmm. Because the smell... You know, that was one thing, again, going back to Fritz Honka. He's on the top level. I get that, but I just imagine. He's on the top level. If does he keeps the smell of rotting on, flesh, is it lighter than air and goes up? I'm just saying, if you have some windows open, like, it, it's likely it's going to go saying, up more seen, than go we've down. We've situations like this where body parts or entire bodies were stored. Yeah. And always, by ch- someone comes into contact, like, God damn, that smells well, fucking Fritz rough. Well, Fritz Honka's nasty ass started, like, the shit started decomposing, and he wasn't cleaning up with shit, and it started. He was too <laughs> 
pieces. I know, but Don't there's like pieces him. of fucking like insects falling into his like uh, below neighbor's fucking flat. That is true. The Greeks downstairs. Yeah, that they he was blaming on. It's their fault. It's that feta cheese. That's yep. what it is. So. He, obviously, he gets up there. He's informed the blockage has been caused by human remains. Dennis exclaimed, oh, good grief. How awful. That's such a British response to a Good grief. Great. Gracious. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> now, um, one of the detectives, uh, de- or, excuse me, one of the detectives, de- Detective Jake, God damn it, I am fucking stuttering like a son of a bitch just then. It's fine. We've covered the fact that you have a speech <laughs> You go on. You Detective be, you have proud. Jay replied, don't mess about. Where's the rest of the body? Dennis then points over his left towards the wardrobe and Detective Jay then at this point goes over, opens up the wardrobe and sees two fucking huge garbage bags <laughs> and knew immediately that there were body parts in them. Well, you got to imagine the smell at that epicenter, even with the garbage yeah. bags. Had to, yeah. I mean, like, you just had to fucking know. And then there's just these pile of them. And I mean, you got You're at Nielsen. the point of no return of your sensible uh, no. sense of smell at that point. Yeah. And at the police station, the detective questioned Nielsen. Uh, those are pretty big bags are we talking about one body or two nielsen replied 15 or 16 making myself look dead was nothing to do with death itself it was making myself look as different from me as it was possible to imagine so that i could really be convincing as being somebody else but he, he's he's now me he's now my body in the fantasy the most exciting part of the little conundrum was when i lifted the body carried it it was an expression of my power to lift and carry and have control. And uh, the dangling element of limp limbs was an expression of his passivity. Yes. So his these two opposite things, I mean, it was my power and his passivity. The more passive he could be, the more powerful I was. Bodies are all gone. Everything's gone. There is nothing left. But I still feel a spiritual communion with these people. So obviously Dennis gets brought back to the station and the interview fucking ensues. And Dennis confessed there were actually even more remains that they be fine with the fact that he got caught. Like, yeah. I think he just kind of was like, yep, I, 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 I'm I done. did I'm what dead I did. Fucking rights. Exactly. They and don't believe it's KFC bones. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Um, he explained they were sto- stored in a chest in his living room and as well as inside a drawer in his bathroom. He even told them of the other dismembered men at his previous rental on Melrose. So yeah, like he's giving where, it all Melrose up. Melrose is where he was burning bodies. Yeah, like, that was his best way of getting rid of bodies. And now he's kind of getting caught because of how many bodies accumulated. Yeah. And you know Dennis kind of disclosed how he conducted his murders, what he did with the bodies afterwards, and even his rituals. And like you heard in that clip, he he's, he felt communion with it. Like he had the, there's a ritual. There was respect in his own weird, twisted way of like how he uh, how he developed this. I don't don't know i guess you could say even oh, a really short durated relationship with each one of his bodies like he didn't look at it as defilement he actually almost looked at it as though he was putting them up on a pedestal well it's like i had mentioned earlier like dennis was not in it for the kills no dennis wanted the bodies after the kill. it was that really yeah. short window yes. of opportunity he had he hated how yeah. he had to get after there he hated the after gone, part before the decomposition yes he only wanted that little sliver of time Which and is, it's a weird fucking it thing to it's be insanely weird and it, i mean again again that doesn't excuse anything but it, it is i mean like you, you go back different. go back and listen to that clip 
that is that is i mean obviously it's a psychopath but that's not someone where murder is their number one priority and it's not like he got off on the killing no it was he, a means to get what he needed again no excuse but the killing was not what dennis nielsen wanted yeah he wanted as he said the non uh the non-resistant body that was the result of it yeah it's indicative of how he, he actually even spoke about the bodies afterwards like the bathing he, ritual he had more respect for the bodies once the life was gone yeah he had more respect for the physical body because it met anything. a need exactly. it met his need and like how he even talked about the bathing ritual and how he would lay yeah. beside the bodies and then masturbate over them yeah nelson even disclosed he had occasionally engaged in an intercruel sex which is kind of like titty fucking but like using thighs like where he didn't oh, just like, yeah you just put it in the old back of the knee bend right there no like just, between the legs like but would not get no, near no. well yeah yeah he's just using other folds i've yeah, done that while you've friction. slept don't you worry about that <laughs> <laughs> glad i didn't know until now god Some, damn sometimes you're just probably don't. not often enough we got three goddamn kids john i don't why know why didn't you do that more really i don't know why do you, you think we, why do you think we buy fresh sheets so often <laughs> can't help myself i didn't know there was a term for it now i do and i'm just i'm just gonna come up and be like hey joe do you want to have sex no well you know do you mind if i've had some intracrural sex (laughs) and then when you don't say anything i'm like that's a yes time to get into those fucking arm bins and (laughs) anyways yeah totally teasing (laughs) i've never fucked the back of my wife's knee and how goddamn dare you think i have <laughs> oh god damn it no dennis repeatedly in a storm <laughs> <laughs> oh god shut up shut up all right yeah we, so, we, gotta, get we gotta get through this okay so dennis rep- uh, repeatedly stressed to the investigators that he never actually penetrated his victims and this is interesting he explained that they were quote too perfect and beautiful for, for the pathetic ritual of commonplace sex, end quote. That's what I'm saying. He he just, he did not. He, he honored he, their bodies more than he did the living person that was there prior to him right, killing no, them. No, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's we're, we're so not, we're fucking not making weird. excuses. You guys know us. Like, we talk no, shit. We crack yeah. jokes. Fuck everybody who's taken innocent life. But the life. psychological profile on this dude is so He's, different than anybody else we've yeah, covered. Completely different There is a beast. level of respect, even despite him taking a life. So now remember, Dreadheads, February 10th is when the cops waited outside of Dennis Nielsen's, you know, place where he was living until he returned home from work. So just a day later, you know, they, they've, they've talked to him. They've, the, he's, he's shown him the trash bags. He's he immediately confessed wardrobe. a basic confession he went, already. They took him in. He confessed yeah. to everything. On February 11th, of 1983, Dennis Nielsen was formally charged with the murder of Stephen Sinclair. Uh, he intended to plead guilty, but opted instead for not guilty by diminished responsibility. I think that's, I think that's sort of like, oh, yeah, psychotic, you know. Yeah, kind fair of, enough. We are. This yeah. is taking place in the UK. So, yeah. again, he's saying Insanity. this. We're, yeah. we're now going to trial. Which takes us to the end of October, actually October 24th of 1983, Joe. He's charged with seven counts of murder. Again, at this point, they're, they're gathering going through more the evidence. evidence. They, yep. they, stuff's been cleaned out of the drains. He's openly talking about and telling them what he can recollect. So yep. they're linking him to other shit already. So exactly. this is where he gets hit with all these counts. Yep. And of course, he gets two counts of attempted murder, which again, yep. we, we reported those where someone escaped. 
And he is tried uh, at the Old Bailey. If anyone's familiar with V for Vendetta, you know, so yep. that's, a, that's a big ass courthouse. That's a great movie. Such a great movie. Now, there was a lot of back and forth about whether or not he was guilty for, or, or, they say diminished responsibility. I'm going to say Reason insanity. Reason insanity. You know, yeah. Something like that. Crime of passion, whatever they want to classify it as. Uh, but ultimately, his defense couldn't, it could not, couldn't get past that. They yeah, these three that. points. So these three points is the reason why they couldn't move past it. He was a civil servant. These are great points. These yes. Are, these are not bullshit. This no. Is, I mean, again, we, 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 obviously you're crazy. Yeah. You, you kill people so that you can have access to their post But you are bodies. intelligent and exactly. able to function exactly. in society as a normal individual and have this and have this um, secret. Precisely. So he was a civil servant. He held a good job. I mean, he was a, C- a CEO, essentially. I think that's the equivalent of what he was holding. Um, and he was hyper aware of his murders and that they were actually wrong because he was hiding the bodies right they weren't on display he wasn't dropping them off anywhere he He was actually taking measures to to get rid of these bodies because he knew he couldn't be found once he once he had gotten everything he could out of it he knew he needed to dispose of them and again let's not forget he spent 11 years in the military as a younger brother of two elder brothers who serve in the military i can promise you military members full-time they undergo tons of psych evaluations yep. constantly. Something would have popped up prior. Again, that's not to say that Dennis Nilsson was not crazy. He's clearly fucking nuts, but he's not hitting the marks for a psych issue. You know what I'm saying? That, that would that would lend to this. Then he was a cop for a year. Yep. You know what I'm saying? He's got over a decade of being in the public service where someone would have caught on to something where like this. Where you could clearly too. define black and white what is wrong and right. right. Yeah, obviously. So one of the pieces, one a uh, big damning piece of evidence is actually Carl Strader, one of his two. You yep. know, we have one Hong Kong Ho, yep. Kong Ho, uh, Hong Kong Ho, and yeah, Carol Strader. Ho was his yes, name, but sorry. I like Hong Kong Ho. <laughs> yes. I enjoy These that. are the two people I'm that pissed attempted. I didn't think of that at the time. <laughs> That's my job on this show, you bitch. I know I'm the Asian racist, so there you go. (laughs) Oh, well, that's a good thing. There we go. I didn't think of it because I'm white and I'm privileged, and I didn't want to disparage race or Asians. So my half-Asian wife with our quarter-Asian children decided to come up that. So suck it, snowflakes. Continue, Joe. So uh, Carol Stauter took the stand to actually recount how Nelson attempted attempted to strangle and train him. Yeah, he said that. And I heard that beer crack. Uh, That's fine. But he, he cl- this was the one he claimed he had gotten tangled up in the sleeping and bag. He and he resuscitated, yeah, saved yeah, and him. And then he had to put him in the cold water because he was going into shock and all that stuff. So, yeah, he takes the stand. Yeah, exactly. So he gives his account, but it was really difficult for him to actually relive, you know, for obvious reasons, this entire ordeal. But also, he had not come out to his friends and family about being gay. Ooh. So it was even doubly traumatic Publicly for him. coming out. Yes, exactly. So part of the evidence also was that the pot that Dennis used to bowl the heads of three of his victims. The cutting board he used to dissect John Howlett and several rusted catering knives which had belonged to uh, victim Martin Duffy. So he wasn't cleaning up after himself enough. He wasn't using the Fabuloso and shit like that, really getting that stuff out of there. No, and he would honestly be lucky if Bleach would take everything because if you don't get it past what what do they call the handle, Uh, like when it's the, the, I'm sorry, the knife goes into the handle, like if it's like all metal and then... The hilt? 
hilt. The hilt. Okay. There we go. So if like if you can't get in there with a bleach, like you're oh, still gonna run, have it. Yeah, it could run down exactly. into you're it. Exactly. You're fucked. You, yeah. That is a good point. Yeah. Yes. So the return, the jury actually returned after only one day of deliberation with a majority guilty verdict, which I like. Here, I think, from my understanding, is like I mean, everybody. Be, all, everybody has yeah, to agree. Yeah. 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 Otherwise, They're talking about majority, like six out of or six out of eleven people were like, no, that's he's, cool. But at the same time, a lot of I mean, Dennis wasn't, but a lot of innocent motherfuckers could go on a I, fucking majority decision. People I, can listen to this podcast and go ahead and majority convict me of shit. Yeah, that's true. Okay. All right. I have st- I stand to be corrected. Yeah, let's never get tried in the courts of the UK system, Joe. We, we, we won't make it. No, we won't. Uh, Nelson was sentenced to life in prison with a recommendation that he serve a minimum of 25 years. He was transferred a couple of times during that 25 years once after um, his face and his chest were actually sliced up by another inmate using a razor blade and this actually resulted him um, resulted in him having 89, 89 stitches. God damn. Yeah. I mean, don't get me Dude wrong. Dude lit him the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He doesn't deserve it, but God damn, that's that's some pain. Yeah, exactly, but on the flip of that, um, Dennis at that point in time was considered like a high, ze- a high segregation or maybe needing high segregation from other inmates because he was considered a vulnerable prisoner. Well, you I know, mean, again, he's I mean, a I'm kind just, person. He's like soft talking. Like you are going to look like fresh yeah, fucking meat but in those a prison. Prisoners get fucking news. You know what yeah. I'm saying? No matter what it was. So then here comes this like weird ass like white hey, boy that's yeah. real kind of calm and cool. You know what I'm saying and stuff like that. And he's been just killing gay dudes. And shit like that. Well, that's and doing the thing. Not all of them are gay. Yeah, Not all of them are gay. Some of them were straight. Fair enough, but he's doing real fucked up shit to their bodies and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely gonna have a target. And not to mention the amount of media that yeah. was going on yeah, around this. So I mean, he's a high profile target coming in, regardless of why he's there. Absolutely. Now, on December twentieth of nineteen ninety four, his twenty five, his original twenty five year sentence actually was replaced with life to ensure he would never be released. Probably a good idea there Britain good job <laughs> now in 2003 he was transferred to the HMP full Sutton and remained there until his death now after, for that period of time he would translate books into braille spend much of that time reading writing painting and composing music on a keyboard that was available to prisoners at the prison now Dennis Nielsen died on May 12th of 2018 he had actually complained of severe stomach pains and doctors discovered a ruptured abdominal aorta not aneurysm which was repaired but he ended up developing a blood cop uh, blood clot excuse me post operatively Ah, oh, god damn it i am fucking up it's fine i drink too many beer <laughs> no no yeah so yeah so yeah so he he developed this you know he had the they, they did the stomach pains got rid of the ruptured abdominal abdominal aortic aneurysm but he he developed a blood clot after the fact and that is ultimately what killed him. So the actual problem of having, the, you know, the ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm didn't do it after post surgery. Yeah, he developed a blood clot, and that's what took him out. He and died. A, he died. Uh, now I was going to oh, say. Now, gonna, now you want to? Yeah, now yeah. You want to not stutter and take over? <laughs> you got your hand out to me, fucking straight in mid nineties. Talk to the hand. <laughs> no. You know what? You're a woman. I'm a man. It's 2023. You told me to calm my fucking shit. I make 20 percent more than you do. Not the case, because I'm an. I I know what I do, and I know where you're going. You're about to out earn the fuck out of me. But you know what? You go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. You, you, you vagina possessing person of For color. Your white privilege like you coming vagina back <laughs> possessing person of color please please <laughs> 
take the floor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he ended up dying alone in his cell, covered in his own filth and blood from a pulmonary oh. embolism. And this is where actually the clot, the clot ends up hitting a lung artery. Wow. And a retroperineal hemorrhage, which is bleeding behind the mesentery. And I think we've what, discussed what? that. Uh, so the mesentery is this um, connective tissue that kind of holds your abdominal organs in place. Okay. And it has a lot of, of uh, blood flow flow to it gotcha. so the fact that it started swelling it puts a lot of pressure on the internal organs and so actually a really awful way to die i was about to say that sounds painful yeah because you're talking about something that has a lot of fucking nerve endings he would have felt a tremendous amount right. of pressure before going out like it was it, it was a pretty bad way to die and that's not to say that dennis nilson didn't, didn't deserve, deserve it, it but it's always sometimes nice when someone makes it on this show because a lot of times we talk about them, you know, they, they die of natural causes while waiting yeah. death or they get taken out. It's sometimes nice to see someone get a little bit of a taste. I know, but it, okay, so I know that uh, in a weird way, we're kind of wrapping it up. But oh, like, we're, yeah, we're definitely wrapping yeah, yeah. it up. It's been, almost, the, it's been over an hour and a half. The dreadheads have fucking, they're dying. <laughs> At this point, they're sobering up. Like, they, there's, there's a lot of problems. We got to wrap. That means you need to drink another one. No, um, I, what I find so interesting about him is like, like I said earlier, like his psychological profile, but there's a lot of times where you're almost empathetic to him because he didn't do it out of hostility. He didn't do anything out of anger. He almost did it out of wanting to feel feel loved in a way that he thought he deserved or that maybe that he was only capable of that's your bachelor's in psychology talking I, and i get it i, I yeah. do get it fuck this dude fuck yeah, it. Yeah, i know yeah, you're saying yeah. the same thing i'm not i'm not trying to say that yeah but it, it no this is an odd case this yeah. is a very fucking weird guy to cover because it, you have a like serial being, killer like in a movie and kind of being told like hey how to invest in this character and then now you're feeling some type of way about them yeah. and then they kind of reverse on you no like, and it's weird because you have a serial killer who I really don't think gave a fuck. He did the killing. I mean, by all intents and purposes, from everything we have interview-wise and what we've talked about in these extensive notes from Chris Owen, thank you again. Yes, thank you, girl. This is not a guy who enjoyed the killing. The killing was a means of getting what he wanted. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, I mean, we're, we're 60 episodes deep at this point, so I could be wrong, but I don't think I've ever encountered someone quite like Dennis Nielsen on an episode of Spread the Dread. No. But regardless of how you feel about Dennis Nielsen, we have reached the end of episode 60 about him, a.k.a. the kindly killer. And I agree. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I this is a very fascinating one. I enjoyed getting to discuss him. I enjoyed the notes, especially because I didn't have to write them because yeah. Chris O did a fucking badass job yes, as a junior did, dreadhead and fucking shit. did the research. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so definitely, you know, tell us in the comments below what did you think about Dennis Nielsen? This is a fascinating guy, and he really does not is. fit a lot of the profile about this kind of shit. No, it doesn't. And like I, I, I've said before, like he, he's almost like how a farmer wouldn't enjoy killing his own livestock, but enjoys the the meal. You know, I mean, in a modern society, kind of feels that way. Well, like I, mean, I love I, a good steak, but I don't think I'd want to dispatch a right. fucking cow myself. But that's kind of how he lived no, his he, life. He, it was, I think the murder was a means to an end yeah it was not about the murder he but again it doesn't excuse it but 
Again, very fascinating. Let us know what your thoughts are yes, in the comments do. below. And again, one final shout out to Chris Owen. Thank you so much for your research on this one. Do not forget, upcoming on the 17th of March, a brand new Fright Flick, Fuck, Mary Kill. We're going to review Brandon Cronenberg's new movie, Infinity Pool. Uh, on uh, March 27th, we're going to have a brand new Talking Dread featuring award-winning actor Bill Oberst Jr., and on March 29th, the, we, uh, Joe and Mine's episode we recorded with the podcast Talking Owls entitled Documenting Depravity is going to be released. So make sure you set your calendars for that. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute, don't you forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share. And of course, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leave a five-star review, screenshot it, shoot us over to our IG, Facebook, or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com along with your mailing address, and we will send you some free stickers. One final time, all these links are in the show notes below, but what's the most dreadful website on the internet? Spreadthedreadpodcast.com. That's right. You go there, you find everything, including our newly launched Patreon, patreon.com slash spreadthedreadpodcast. No matter what tier you sign up for, you're going to get exclusive access to the private Discord exclusive, server. Exclusive, but not prestigious. No, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Uh, join it before it gets shut down, because I'm sure yeah. the NSA is already fucking taking notes on that shit. Especially on course, Marty. If you're $10 tier, the junior dreadhead, you're going to get a free sticker every month. And if you're the senior dreadhead, the ultimate tier, you get a free t-shirt every month. So go and check that out. Joe, is there anything else you could think of? No. All right, let's do our Patreon shout outs and get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Sophomore dreadheads, we want to shout out Phantom Phantom Atropos, brand new Patreon sophomore dreadhead, Brandon I. Junior Dreadheads, Casey J, Chris O, and Greg B, and our Senior Dreadhead, Christopher R. Thank you guys so much for donating to the Dread and making this episode possible. As always, I'm John. And I'm Joe. And look, it's fucked up out there, so you leave the Dread to us, and you stay proud, you stay powerful, and you stay positive. And no matter if it's morning, noon, or night, Whatever you're about to do when you finish this episode or what you're doing while you're listening to this episode, be a true dreadhead and get out there and wreck that shit. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?